man told me to take any rug in the house. Well, enjoy. And perhaps we'll see you again sometime, dude. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm in the neighborhood, you know, and uh, any views of John. Blow on them. Huh? Go ahead. Blow. You want me to blow on your uh, toes? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't blow that far. Are you sure he won't mind? Well, he doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Oh, that must be exhausting. You're not blowing. Our guest has to be getting along, Mrs. Lebowski. Oh! This is Gutterballs, the Lebowski Deepcast. Hey, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. Welcome to Incest in Space. Providing insight. He's making a ransom letter on his table to swindle money. Commentary. One of the most awkward moments in film history. Got my half and half in the bowling ball. I'm going home. And conjecture. His brother is River Phoenix. <laughs> Are they related to Rivers Cuomo? That's one for the canon of the history of film. And now, Gutterballs! Let's start firing firing them up. Let's line them up and knock them down. The first, the first one, and this actually came up when I was watching the last minute. But I don't know if... I just didn't get to it, or we didn't touch on it, or maybe I, like, watched into this minute last time a little bit, and then said, ooh, there's something. Um, Well, that's not this minute. I'll put it in here. I don't know. Whatever. But I wrote, this is what I wrote, maybe it's because the dude takes the rug that the Big Lebowski and Brant think he's a good fit for performing the fake money drop. He kind of makes it obvious that he's up for, you know, kind of skirting around the law a bit. Just a bit. Or maybe just the fact that he pulled off that caper. It is a little caper, isn't it? He walked out of there with with their rug. It's like, okay, this is obviously a seasoned con man. Like right in there, he even had them help. He didn't even take it. He had them take it out for him. Did you take their rug? Mm -hmm. No, they took it out for me. (laughs) <laughs> yep, they took it out and loaded it right up in right up in my car. Who am I to say no? So yeah, he kind of like was an agent of his own demise, a little bit. Not much else there, just that you know. He's obviously the Big Lebowski. Obviously, thinks of him as you know, like I said, a little bit of a con man. It's maybe just just the sort of fellow. Right. Well, yeah, and it, but in some way it just goes back to this whole notion that I don't know what's happening really in this movie. I, I watch like two additional features on the Blu-ray each week. Um, the last one I watched... Joel and Ethan were being interviewed. There's a little documentary about 
not even the making of, they just talked to them maybe a year or two after the movie was released. And they said that the movie didn't necessarily make sense like from a plot perspective. Like the plot ne- didn't necessarily make sense. And it was almost like they didn't care. It's like, you know what? It's not necessarily supposed to make sense. Well, the world doesn't always make sense. Well, exactly. And, and if your a- mind is all limber like the dudes, the whole world might not make sense to you. Even more so. It was relieving. I was relieved by that. It made me feel less insane. We don't need to break down the plot. We don't need to create like a big map on the wall of all the different characters and how they relate and a chronology. I mean, it might be interesting as an exercise to do that, to see like what kind of, you know, fractal-like shape you came up with. But it wouldn't help us understand yeah. it. Well, I feel like you have to make some assumptions and some leaps to do that because it isn't necessarily clear. Totally. It's not clear at all. Even the directors, the writers and directors themselves didn't know what was going on thoroughly. Thoroughly. It's weird. Like, what kind of a way is that to make a movie? And yet here we are. Especially the Coen brothers have a reputation for being somewhat meticulous. But in this Met- case, meticulous. I don't think it's sloppiness. or It's not sloppy. It's just simply their priorities or perhaps where they were going with this is like, yes, we don't, we don't need to make sense in this regard. Actually, we prefer if we don't even. Yeah, it shouldn't. Historically, it shouldn't make sense. Like thinking about old time film noir shit. Yeah. It doesn't always make sense. It's a it's a little absurd, and it's not going to wrap itself all up neatly with a bow on top. Right. I was watching something. I came across this randomly on YouTube. I forget what I was watching. Well, you know, it caught my eye, like a related video. It was like John Goodman talking about Lebowski, and I, I clicked on that. It was a very short snippet from, it looked like, I don't know, like Nightline or something like that. And they were interviewing him. Yeah, Nightline. It was very ABC News. All right. It was definitely some sort of ABC News program. There's like some digital city composited in the background. No, no, it wasn't that that kind of a deal. Like classic interview style? It was classic interview style. Negative space in the back. Yes, but you can tell. You can just tell. It just looks different. It's like the... The, the 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 color the quality of the picture is like abc and they see abc mean. cbs they all, you can just tell by looking at it still they like, have oh, their own this is things tell each of yeah. them have their own things yeah i think cbs is the shittiest and i think it's their whatever compression they use to crunch their HD signal down enough to broadcast it and send it through the tubes. It is the worst algorithm or whatever the F. Giant squares, pixels. And this happened when I had Fios, uh, other cable providers. any Because t- I watch sports mostly right. on those channels. I don't watch much else on like live television. 
And man, anytime the camera swings around, just pixelization that NBC and ESPN slash ABC do not have. It's not even remotely close. They just need to work. Step up your game, CBS. Seriously, those pixels. Giant, I, I, though. I hate it when seeing blocks. I hate Giant. They're huge. Huge. They're like an inch, literally an inch across. I could put a ruler up. It's like an inch. Imagine that. Inch by one inch blocks filling your screen for a second. For one whole second. That's what you see. It's atrocious. I would just smash my TV if I, I saw would. that. I would. I almost do. It's... It's like taking the resolution and cutting it by like ninety-two percent. Right. It's like you're scaled Not... up to like two thousand four hundred percent or something, and there's right. just like four pixels there, each of varying roughly, shades of peach. Yeah. It's roughly fourteen by or forty by sixty pixels on <laughs> right. the on the right. screen. Check out my sixty P television. <laughs> You had a point that I hijacked. You started to talk about CBS. They all have their look or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah Walter. Goodman. Oh, John Goodman. Goodman. That's it. He was he was talking about, you know, the guy was asking him about that. And he was telling the story. He worked, he worked it in somehow. He was talking about his, you know, rapport with Jeff Bridges and Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. That's Bu- it. Is that it? We Buscemi. Have... I got it. Right. Yeah, yeah you got it. You know, and he was talking about, you know, how long they worked on the the reads on the script before they started shooting. And like just in a conference room somewhere. Yeah, hotel presumably rooms. something like that. Right. Yeah. And, and okay. fine tuning it all. And he said something like, you know, so many people I talk to think we ad lib some of that. And no, right. you know, you don't ad lib anything in a Coen Brothers movie. Which is crazy to manufacture that level of like casualness or familiarity right and the way they're yeah and the way they're interrupting each other like yeah the whole thing was like they worked on that and honed that down perfectly so that and that took place in the reads just the read-throughs just in street clothes around a table or something uh Presumably. Presumably. Not on set. I mean, you're not going to be wasting money no. on set just doing no. reads. I mean, it's not to say they didn't maybe do some final honing on set. Sure, you block it out, and then you see how the lines play with your body movements. Sure. But, yeah. So, more or less, it was just a statement on their meticulousness. It was right. what got me there. So, we can't say, like, the plot not making sense. Well, the plot not making sense... It's not a mistake. Intentional. It's not a mistake. Yeah, it's not just sloppiness or lack of like mental power or anything like that. Right. We couldn't make it work, so it's good enough. Let's start shooting. That's not what happened. And I, I read that there was one ad libbed line in this movie, and it's when the dude refers to. Uh, so you refer to. The Big Lebowski? The titular Big Lebowski, maybe? He says, you human paraquat. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's referring to the Big Lebowski. I think. 
I just watched this movie. How many times have I seen this movie? You human paraquat? Or is he referring to Dafino, maybe? Um. I, I don't even remember. You know what a... This has been plaguing me for 15 years. Do you know what a paraquat is? <laughs> I just read what a paraquat is. <laughs> I did not know that, yeah. It's an herbicide that the U.S. government used in a controversial move to target and combat marijuana plants in Mexico. An herbicide yes. to kill weed. Right. You human paraquat. You <laughs> human marijuana herbicide. <laughs> yes. That just means, like, you're really harsh in my buzz, is what that means. Yes. <laughs> and that was the only ad lib line. I've actually quoted that one and had no idea what it meant. You can get in trouble if you do that, you know? Could have meant anything. <laughs> Human paraquat. How did Jeff Bridges know what paraquat was? That's what I want to know. He's He knows his herbicides. He knows a lot about herbs. So Jeff Bridges, this is not in the document. I'm just going to say it. Jeff Bridges has been to a, an establishment in Greenwich Village within the last few years. There's a video if you you can search it. There's an establishment in uh, Greenwich Village in New York City. It's called The Little Lebowski Shop. The Little Lebowski. And Jeff Bridges was there. He went there. He was hanging out. The reason I bring it up is I was just there a few days ago. Someone told me there is a shop, a store in the village dedicated to the Big Lebowski. It's just all Lebowski stuff. I just didn't know how deep the rabbit hole went. I know, that's very fascinating to me. This store has been open since 2007. So it's not you know, a fly-by-night operation that's here and gone again in six months. So what are the types of things in this shop? <laughs> well, let me tell you. I took some pictures. I bought a couple items. I interviewed the proprietor. I would like to get into that next episode. I just wanted to tease it a little bit. I, I'm i going to save it for next episode. Because I want to cut together this interview okay. with this gentleman. And then uh, we'll both experience that together and then awesome. we can talk about it some more. Awesome. Good I just, tease. I, d I did want to mention it though. There's an entire store in Greenwich Village dedicated to the Big Lebowski. Rent is not $100 a month there. So... Now, you got to be selling some items. 
And it's Little Lebowski. The Little Lebowski shop. As opposed to the Big Lebowski shop. They would never presume to upstage the man himself, I suppose. The Little Lebowski Urban Achievers. It's just nice to know they're out there. Taking her easy for all us sinners, you know? We can get back on track now. I just wanted to do my little tease. Well, one thing that, you know, in this minute that I just noticed, like, it's one of these things where there's a line that goes by that you never even noticed or paid attention to or registered is um, right in the beginning of this minute, right when it uh, cuts to the exterior shot. Uh Uh-huh. You know, they're walking through the sunny portico veranda i don't know they're outside now yeah outside the terrace they're on the terrace terrace there's a there's a good word for it terrace and um you know the well first brant is like well enjoy and perhaps we'll see you again someday dude and i've noticed that but i never really stopped to think about how he's calling him dude already it's just dude he's dude and Brant, being the person that he is, that just kind of, I don't know, is used to being somewhat Proper. humble and perhaps subservient in a regard. You know, it's like, this is how this person wishes to be addressed. This is how I shall address him now. And just works it into speech, even right here at this point early on. I just well, get a kick out of that. I get a kick out of it, too. But... I think part of that's motivated by the fact that, oh, wow, you went in there and apparently you gave the Big Lebowski, the titular Big Lebowski, the what for, so much so that he let you remove a rug from his house. Wow. Well, I will give you your due respect. That might be part of it. Right. He's, he kind of recognizes him as a like alpha male, like he's a superior... Yeah. He's in the wolf pack. He's got some respect. He respects him now. He didn't respect him earlier when they were, you know, he still was kind of thinking of himself as above the dude, I'm sure, when they were examining the wall of plaques and pictures and trophies. So so the line, so that wasn't the line necessarily. That wasn't even the line? That wasn't the line. It's the dude's response. The dude's response is which beautiful. I'd never, never processed before. Yeah. Which is something like, um, well, Brant. Oh yeah. If says come and visit us again sometime, dude. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah. If if I'm in the neighborhood, you know, and uh, I need to use the John. Right. I never knew the dude said that there. Just didn't know it. It was just kind of like, because it's kind of like a little unintelligible, a little slurred. It just kind of washes over you. It's a little slurred. It's a little unintelligible. But you're also, he's also starting to pull down his sunglasses. And our attention is beginning to be focused on a different part of the environment. A part of the environment that we haven't seen yet, but we're watching the dude's reaction to. Because he's, that's why it's so sort of like barely intelligible, is because he's looking at something off screen and it's consuming his attention. 
and we're starting to get drawn in by that. So the line's a throwaway line. You don't really think about it. It's like, what is he looking at? What's going to happen now? Cause, and you have to re- think about it with, you know, virgin eyes or virgin a virgin mind, so to speak. Think about it as if this is the first time you're seeing the movie. So we're like, we're 15 minutes into this movie and slacker loser, the dude just waltzed into this multi-million dollar mansion and is now carrying out a rug that he has no business taking. He's still on the property. This It's kind of nerve-wracking. You're like, holy shit, he's just taking that guy's rug. So you're not really focusing on every little word, you know? We are, because that's what we do, apparently. But, you know, as a first-time viewer of this movie, you're more like anxious there's tension because he's stealing this rug and then you're like oh god what's happening he's looking off screen like maybe he's gonna get caught maybe something else weird or horrible is going to happen to him so you just kind of throw it away the girl in the bikini the downfall of many men in many a film yes many men even just in this film At least two. Who are the two? Jackie Treehorn, Jeffrey Lebowski. Does Jackie Treehorn have a downfall? Does he fall down? He lost lots of money. She owes him money. I don't think he's ever going to see it. True. Now why, though? What? How exactly? How exactly? We should just probably refrain from trying to talk about the plot. That's one of the... That's the plot. You just don't think about it. I just don't know what it is. I feel like I do need to watch the whole movie and take little notes. I have. There's no... It never is explained. There's no explaining it. It's just pure conjecture if you try to understand... Well, wait, she owes him like half a million dollars or something? How? Why? Yeah. But he's again, not stupid. He's a successful businessman. Right. He wouldn't... And, and if you were to talk about this again from the point of view of, you know, the virgin mind, so to speak. Uh-huh. Like, I think the first time I watched this, perhaps every time I've watched it until now, none of that has ever bothered me. It's not like I'm ever, like, at the end, like, wait a minute. I don't think that made a whole lot of sense. It didn't bother me, but I noticed it. I just assumed that I wasn't paying attention because I was having such a good time laughing and being into the movie that I didn't, I just didn't pick up on enough. But I noticed it. Right. Yeah, I guess maybe I should say I didn't notice it. I guess I've had the sense that, like, yeah, it all just makes sense if you just, like, pay attention to it. But but I, I would say we're paying attention to it now. Well, and so far, I've only paid attention to the first uh, 16 minutes. So. True. That's true. Touche. Touche. So maybe but, these answers will reveal themselves. 
the line though, the line was Brant says, Maybe we'll see you again sometime, dude. And the dude says, If I'm in the neighborhood and I gotta use the John Does that mean that he's going to sneak into the house and pee on their rug? Is that <laughs> using the John? Is it gonna be like a double vengeance thing? He steals the rug and he's gonna pee on one of their rugs? It could be, <laughs> you know. You know, I didn't think of it that way, but you're right. That could be an, an, a, a double meaning there, or right. it's just part of again how everyone's just tuned into the same cosmic thing, and you know, right. stopping by, peeing, rugs. It's just all together. It's just all. They're all riding the same chronosynclastic infundibulum. Exactly. So he's carrying this rug out. He's having the servant, the manservant, carry the rug out. Brant is with him, and he just kind of veers off because he sees a woman in a bikini, a beautiful blonde woman in a bikini. He walks right over to her, stands right in front of her, and leans over her, and looks down at her, and takes his sunglasses kind of down so he can look at her. That's what he does. Right. Who does that? People named Jeff, apparently. Apparently. And you know, we we you know we referenced this scene a little bit in talking about Jeff Dowd previously, and you know we used the whole like, oh I'm just gonna find a cash machine line <laughs> right as right. kind of shorthand for it. But you know looking at this now, I never really thought of just about how lecherous he is being right here. Neither did I because it's like the dude he's awesome he's funny we love him I want to be him, but that's a great word for it. he's being lecherous he just kind of veers off he just sees like semi-naked woman and just veers off and goes and literally stands right over her and looks down at her i think that he, works for him a lot do you think he gets a lot of chicks <sighs> with his whole mojination going on the way it does i mean it worked it sort of worked right here with bunny yeah but she's some kind of nympho she's a nympho prostitute it worked for Maud. Did work for Maud. Yes. Um, those are about the only females in this movie, pretty much. So. So he's like. He's two for two. two he's for batting two. a thousand. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a certain charm to that mojination. I'm uh, quickly racking my brain trying to think: Is there any other women in this movie? There's the woman we see at Jackie Treehorn's party. She doesn't have any lines. Yeah, she doesn't count. I mean, I'm sure yeah, there's women, you know, there's the women that are all dressed up like Vikings. Right. The, the waitress at the diner. The waitress at the diner at least has some lines. Yeah. But, two. I think two. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think there's any other women. Huh. This is, movie is a complete sausage fest. It is. It's so chauvinistic. I hate it. So he acts all lecherous and leans over her, and the first thing she says is, "What blow on them. Right? Yes. Blow on them. Referring to her toes, because she's just painted her toenails. Yes. Painted them green. Green. Which shall become a plot point, unbeknownst to us at this point. To reinforce that plot point, she's wearing a green bikini. Mm-hmm. She's got a green thingy in her hair, holding her hair back. The garnish in her drink 
is green and blue, just like her bikini's green and blue. Yeah, and that drink. Plastic some, ice cubes, I bet you. Some thick blue drink going on there. And there's no condensation around the bottom of it. So, mm. out in the sun like that, I'm saying that is just whatever mm. with some plastic ice cubes. It's not cold. You just can't. You're you're entering a world of pain if you deign to try to have a ice cold beverage out in the sun like that while you're shooting a scene that takes two or three hours or four hours. Yes. You have to have two people dedicated just for ice cube detail. So here's something I've noticed in different movies also lately and I'm just noticing it now looking at this is how Bunny is in a bikini and Uli is down in the the, uh, pool hanging out like it's obviously a hot day right? But the dude is wearing a sweatshirt. Yeah. Maybe it's like a 75 degree day. Yeah, it would almost have to be. I mean, L.A., I guess, isn't L.A. like 78 every most every day? I don't know. I just know that it never rains in Southern California. Right. But it, we don't know... The dude's wearing the same outfit he wore when he was. We saw him in the last scene, bowling. We could never determine whether he came directly from the bowling alley or got up and came over here. So maybe he just woke up with that stuff on because he was at the bowling alley at night. Maybe you know it's down to sixties, a little chilly. Or maybe he just feels better with it on well it's his version it's a of like wearing a, a like a, a suit coat or something right yeah. like he's put this jacket on over his you know white v-neck ripped t-shirt that's his uniform like, you know look a little more presentable bunny says blow on them so she tries to get him to blow her and then at the end of this scene we don't actually get there she offers to blow him. She's got a little blow bookend. Right. Which is funny. Everyone can has a turn to do some blowing in Bunny's <laughs> world. Right. She doesn't even really care who does it. It's a little you blow me, I blow you action. Blow on blow. Blow for blow. B to B, blow to blow. Mm-hmm. BBs. The more you blow, the less you know. The more you blow, the more you know. Possibly. What do you know about shoes, though? I don't know a whole lot. I didn't notice her shoes. What did you notice about them? Again, green, right? Everything's green. It's really reinforcing that color in our brain holes. I see you highlighting the link. Yes, but so, so tell me what is what's going on here? What's what's the significance? You obviously have some level of significance. Bunny's shoes. These are shoes. Don't ask me how I know this. These I may shoes have are, to. I these shoes are called candies. Okay, I remember candies. Do you? What do I, you remember about them? I remember them being like advertised heavily. I remember like. 
Do you remember Jenny McCarthy advertising I, them? I do. I do remember that. What do you remember about that and advertisement? I think they later, I could be wrong, they had, uh, what's her face? Kelly Clarkson, perhaps? Or is that a different show I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't know. My knowledge ends that Jenny McCarthy, at least chronologically, Jenny McCarthy on the toilet wearing these candies. Yes. So this is a shoe, though, that was popular in the 70s. This sort of high-heeled, wooden high-heeled shoe. It went away. It fell very much out of fashion. And this company almost went defunct. Verge of bankruptcy. Almost dead. They came back. They kept trying to... They they issued a sort of like Dr. Scholes-esque shoe... So designed just for like comfort, like I guess it had a heel, but it was just supposed to be comfortable, and you know it was probably identified with older women who just, you know, it's not completely hideous looking, and it's very comfortable. It's got cushions in it, and whatever. Um, fella, I don't even know his name. I forget his name, but he came on board the company, and was like, "We are gonna." re-energize this place how he did that was reissuing the candies this shoe that we see bunny has here he's like it's just when you know grunge was starting to die out and maybe the retro thing was starting to take hold late 90s so late 90 like 97 96 97 i think the jenny mccarthy ad happened Mm -hmm. they started to really become like Boom! But they weren't re-released until, I want to say, 96, 97. This movie takes place in 1991. Oh. You cannot buy those shoes in 1991. Not even the 70s version of them? You could not. The only way you would have them is if... You had purchased them in the 1970s, and they were laying around. I had one thought, and that's, you know, maybe the titular Big Lebowski's ex-wife, who maybe we theorize is dead, has passed away. Maud's mother has passed away. Maybe she bought some in the 70s or was given them, and they were sitting in a closet, and Bunny went rifling through the shoe closet and found them. But as far as I know, they did not sell them in this color. I've done some research on this. I don't think they offered them in that color. It was only when they were re-released and they became all the rage, they started offering them in these colors. These like wide range of colors. I think that it was a case of... Which pains me to say, because I, it might be Mary Zofries that was in charge of this, I'm not sure pains me to say that maybe they just chose the shoes because these were the shit at the time in 97 it's like bunny was materialistic was all about the money would want all the best shit these are the hot thing let's put them there maybe somebody did some cursory investigation these were around in the 70s they're around now boom do we know anything no anything how do we know they're candies I told you I wasn't going to go into that. All right. But we, but, uh, but but I don't own any of those. Come on. What are you saying? Th- there aren't any other candies like shoes? 
I have it on pretty good authority. Yeah. When I said K- Kelly Clarkson... What did you actually mean? I meant Carrie Underwood. Oh, okay. But Clary Clark- K- Kelly Clarkson did do Candy's ads. I don't know that Carrie Underwood actually did. So I don't understand what's happened. So... Da, 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 da. It's time for my favorite part of the show. You know what part that is, right? No, what part is that? It's my favorite part of the show. Oh, you're going to gonna look in reflective surfaces? I'm going to look in reflective surfaces. So, man, I watched this so many times looking around. When we first see the close-up of Bunny... She has her sunglasses on, and she looks up and then quickly looks down and kind of pushes them down on her nose. In fact, they both do this. The dude and her both do this, probably to avoid a lot of incriminating reflections. (laughs) But that moment where she looks up, um, we can see two things. We can see a silk behind the dude, and then we can see a boom pole with like a big cat on the end of it, a big mic with a windscreen on it. Both of those things. Not to mention we can see the uh, shadow of a silk on the ground behind her and a lack of harsh shadows from the table and other items, which were there in the reverse shot but are not there now because they have this giant soft diffuser because the sun is out and it's very harsh. So they have a giant, like, 16 feet. It's the size of a room, you know, half the size of a house it's like a separate roof but it's this translucent material they've got there making it softer it's a lot of work to shoot outside like this and make it look good it really is so if you look at 1508 this is the wide shot as we approach bunny she's very distant in the frame sitting in a chair doing her nails the sun is beating down from in front of her Maybe it's either morning or afternoon. The sun is, you know, it's casting shadows, not right down. The shadows are a little bit long. But very distinct, hard shadows. And by the time we get to... Well, by the time we get to the dude, yeah. Yeah. The the shot from the dude's POV, yeah, those shadows are all gone. All gone. All gone. And if you look, so just behind her right shoulder past the table of uh, nail stuff in the boom box mm-hmm. There's, you can see two large bricks there and if you look carefully and as I'm looking at because I'm watching the iTunes version now my downloaded iTunes version did it actually a, download? it actually did this time thank goodness it's actually hard to see but when I watch the Blu-ray it's clear as day you can see a shadow, and somebody's holding it because it's kind of moving around. They're holding like a big, soft diffuser. It's moving around. Harder to see in the iTunes version, though. Interesting. I I can't. I don't see what you. I don't see it here. I'm I'm on the iTunes version also. Although there is beyond her, there's the uh, glass doors. That do have some reflection, although nothing really, I don't think. Oh, I didn't look at those. 
I looked very carefully in both her sunglasses and the dude's sunglasses, and they did a really good job. In her sunglasses, I expected to see all manner of things. And I thought in his sunglasses, you would see just people standing around everywhere, but they did a really good job. They had either stand-ins or the actual actors there in the reflections, you know? Well, in her glasses, I mean, the dude is actually, well, maybe it's not Jeff Bridges as a stand-in, I don't know, but... He's had the same stand-in for like 25 years. Do you know that? I did not know that. It's the same dude. That's what the dude does. I shouldn't say the dude. Right. That's what this fella does. It's his main job, pretty much, is to be Jeff Bridges' stand-in. That's pretty good work if you can get it. But yeah, right when Bunny looks up, you can see a guy holding a mic. A mic on a boom right there. Boom. But yeah, all shadows are gone. So imagine the size of that diffuser to shade off that entire area. Crazy. I don't really understand what's happening. But maybe that's okay. What, how, how they're achieving this soft light effect where did the shadows why are there no shadows they have a it just looks like a piece of wax paper it's a diffuser Mm -hmm. but it's like 24 feet by 24 feet it's gigantic so in essence they're all in the shade they're in the they're in the shade of that but there's enough but but it's it's not solid though and you're outside there's enough light to shoot the scene it's not opaque right it's translucent of varying degrees of translucency. Just enough to soften it up so there's not... If you shoot in direct sun, first of all... Yes. Tara Reid wouldn't be able to look at the dude. Right. She'd be looking directly into the sun. Second of all, one side of her face would be blown out and completely white. And the other side in the shadow would be, like, black. Right. Yes. So that that's what they're doing. They have other, like, bounce cards. So just a piece of, like, foam core, you know, fancy version of that on the other side, kind of filling in. But the main thing is, and I think they have two of these, actually. They have the giant, like, house size 24-foot by 24-foot piece of wax paper. And then they have a smaller one that doesn't have hard edges that I think they're using right on her face to make it even easier for her to look up into that and to soften out the light on her face to get... So if you look at her face, it's very soft. The lighting is very soft. It wraps around really nice. The right side of her face is brighter, and then as we go to the left side of her face, it does sort of like melt away in a very gradual manner. It's very nice. It's nicely lit. And you either need clouds or an F-load of grip equipment right. to achieve that on a sunny day like this. Yes. Yeah, I do know that much. You don't go try to shoot things, especially people, in a bright, sunny day. You want it to be overcast. You want it to be an incredibly gray, dreary day. And then you'll have some beautiful shots. And then you'll have some beautiful shots. Yep. It's counterintuitive. It is. Very. Yeah, that's why, you know, you don't just go take your iPhone and shoot an awesome movie that looks 
at least not one that looks like this. Right. You can shoot an awesome movie, but it won't look like this. It'll look very different. Well, I should actually, I think, correction, you can take your iPhone and shoot an awesome movie like this. You just need to do all this work with these lights. Correct. I mean, just just your iPhone. Right, exactly. I mean, it's not the camera, right? Because a lot of times, oh, look at this beautiful picture. And the idea is, oh, you must have this awesome camera. What camera do you use? I want that. Don't get me wrong, that does help a lot. There's an element to that, but I the, think it is... The lens, the camera. Far eclipsed by lighting. I would say... I would agree. If I could... You know, it's like... Let's shoot for... You know, Cinematography Academy Award. Would I rather have... Just a... Uh, Panaflex and no grip and lighting equipment or all of the grip and lighting equipment and my iPhone, I would choose all of the grip and lighting equipment and my iPhone. Yeah. Definitely. I, I would agree. I think that that's completely, yeah, completely makes sense. She's got her nail polish remover open. Number one on the table or a little table there. Yes. See, you know what that looks like, right? Yeah. I saw the table. I looked at, I, I scrutinized what's on the table. You know what nail polish remover is? I believe I do. Yeah, it takes off the nail polish so you can put new nail polish on. Yes. You can see it. It's the tall jar with the white lid flipped open. Mm-hmm. That uh, You squeeze that, and there's little tiny little holes in this uh, concave indentation in the top of it. And the nail polish remover comes out of that. You put the cotton ball in the concave area, you squeeze on the bottom, and it comes up out of the little holes, and it makes the cotton ball wet with the nail polish remover. It took me years to figure out how to operate Yeah, I'm you're way ahead of me. I had no idea about any of this. I have more females in my house, so that's why it took me years. Anyway, first of all, there are no dirty cotton balls on that table which if you're removing nail polish from 10 toenails you would expect there to be some dirty cotton balls somewhere it is open the nail polish remover is open true she is repainting her nails now so you can't blame Mary's offerings for this one but somebody got a little lazy. A little fucking lazy here. Well, do you think the used cotton balls are somewhere else? She has some sort of trash receptacle or bag or something for that? They'd have to be... I didn't see any of that. It would have to be in a very small area just to her right... Like, right on the bottom. But given the fact that she didn't put the lid back on the Hawaiian Tropic suntan lotion... She didn't close the lid for the nail polish remover. Uh, it doesn't seem like she's that careful. Is it possible that she was not actually removing the nail polish from her nails and she was just huffing that? Can you huff that? I have no idea. I mean, that's possible, but you know, they make a big deal about she's painting her nails. Right. Hmm. I'm just trying to theorize right. why it might be open. She could have 
used them and then threw them down on the right side there and maybe they were, they were just in just the right place because she just threw them on the ground we didn't see them I noticed there and I did not notice this before even though I said I scrutinized it perhaps not enough that she does have those little like foam things you like put between your toes and she's not using them so you Here's, use that when you put the nail polish on? When you put it on, it's separate. Because if you look at her toe, when the dude is touched, look at how they're all crammed together. Right. This is that, like, if you go to 1532, especially the most famous toe of the movie, see how it's curled under? Right. That's why you use those white. But she didn't. They're just laying there. And yet we see her finishing up painting them yeah yep well imagine how weird it would be in that scene if she had one that that little foam toe separator on there it would remove all the sexy it would look at what a shitty job she did painting her nails too they're all blotchy and like that's not very good that's because she's high on huffing nail polish remover <laughs> and didn't use didn't even the remove separator the, thing. Well, and she did probably didn't even remove the old nail polish. She just painted over whatever it was. Yeah. It's probably like tulips or something. It was polka dots. Here's something that always... Because the point of this scene is like, ooh, here's this sexy young trophy wife, right? At... 1537 this is a reverse shot of bunny she's holding her leg up the dude is holding or the dude stand in is Can holding I just say her that foot. I'm, it was just at 1537 already it's just just there miraculous anyway continue you want to be there this is like the money shot for bunny look she's hot young trophy wife that's what they're selling here. That's what they're peddling, right? That's why the dude is being so lecherous and coming over like, wow. That's why the titular Lebowski married her in the first place. Here's her shot. In all her, you know, young hotness glory. Except, it's so disgusting because all I can look at is what? I believe... Well, so... It looks like she had the world's most imbecilic doctor perform an appendectomy on the wrong side and it didn't heal properly. Yeah, I think that's just like from the like angle she's sitting or something. Look at it. It's awful. She probably has watched this, Tara Reid, and from that unflattering angle or pose or whatever that is causing that little crease in her not in her abdomen like above it it's it's like right below her breasts it's right like below tucked, her left breast it's, it's tucked like, underneath the bottom of her rib cage i think yeah i've had some apologists tell me that it's just the way she's leaning see how she's cheating leaning to the yeah, her well, that's left that's what i think it is and that that's creating that fold but we conducted extensive experiments on this end and we could not get any body type to mimic that fold like thing I just can't 
Even the first time I watched it, that's all I was looking at was like... I thought it was going to be something with the plot, like... Oh my god, she's recovering from some kind of surgery. This is going to play into it. Because that's all I can see. Oh, did somebody cut her? Very distracting. Whatever it is, hard. is happening, they should have not... They should have found another way. It is hard to... What? Well, I was going to say, it's just hard. So I'm looking for pictures of Tara Reed now. And if this is some, like, surgery scar or something, it's like, don't shoot her from that angle. I mean, what's hard... Well, I guess what I was going to say is hard is, like, you know, like, so here there's, like, a picture of her in FHM, you know, wearing a bikini. But, you know, they airbrush that stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, perfect... I mean, she famously had a botched plastic surgery. In 97? But that was, no, that was after this, yeah. So I'm just saying it's not that. So like Although tummy, maybe this. Tummy tuck surgery, or? What's that? Was it like tummy tuck stuff, or? It was a liposuction. Huh. And she has scars and weirdly... Like, weird, saggy stomach now, apparently. That's interesting, man. But she... But, you know, I guess what I was thinking is perhaps it's the, um... You know, this unflattering angle, the way her body, at you know, created this weird fold from the way she was leaning that drove her to this plastic surgery. She just every time she rewatched this movie, she became more and more upset by her body. Yes. What's weird is when you look at the shot, you know, fifteen thirty-seven. Her foot is almost straight up and down. Wouldn't you say? Almost. Almost, yeah. Slightly angled, maybe an eighty-degree angle. 75, 80 degree angle. But at... At, um... At time code... Just before that, actually. So, 1537, it's straight up and down. At 1532... We see a close-up of the dude's hand beginning to grasp Bunny's foot, which is weird in itself because he's like twitching, like his thumb is twitching, his right. fingers are he's like, should I even, he's very tentative about it, like should I? It's one of these things again, what you don't notice when you're watching the movie because the, the, you know, you're listening to the dialogue Right, music's music going playing, but right now I have it on, but I have the sound all the way down and this scene is so weird. It goes on for, like, so long. <laughs> it does. It's, like, four seconds of just showing him twitching, holding her Twitching, thumb foot, twitching. But it's, like, thumb. Fingers twitching. Yeah, tap, in tap, the, tap yeah, with tap, the tap, thumb. Yeah, tap, tap, tap. Tap, tap, with his fingers. Tap with his thumb. It's, like, yeah, very bizarre. He's acting cocky, but maybe he's a little, like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. 
I don't know. I think he's enjoying it. I think that's him just kind of feeling. Let me feel this oh, foot maybe. up here. Ooh, look who I feel this foot. Yeah. Ooh, I don't want to go bit. all in right away. I'm going to tease it out a little bit. Mm. Yeah. And then even after that, when the next shot, it's, you know, bunny shot. The shot that we were just talking about where you could see bunnies, bunny sitting there and, you know, her foot out. Even there, watch his hand. It starts like kind of sliding around her foot. <laughs> yes, it is. But what's the alternative? He just grasps it and just holds it. Yeah, it just like, doesn't not move. Not unmovingly, like, I've now grasped your foot. It is now <laughs> you in just my iron like grip. You know, not iron like. You hold it like you'd hold a tube of toothpaste. Firm no, but gentle. I, I usually have a iron like grip on my tube of toothpaste. That's why you go through it so quickly. I do. And that's you why know, there's like toothpaste messes. You know, now, speaking of toothpaste, I want to talk about something. This goes back a while. Do you remember the? Is this the amount of toothpaste? Yeah, yeah the, the instructions for using. They used to provide instructions for using toothpaste. They don't anymore. I haven't checked this recently. Well, they didn't for a while. I check it all the time. Every time I get a new tube of toothpaste, I check for instructions. I don't want to fuck it up. They used to prescribe a certain amount of toothpaste to use. Do you remember what that was? Yes, it was. It would be a pea-sized amount. How do you spell P? P E A. A pea-sized this amount. This is not like the, what you do on a rug. It's not P. what woo does to a rug. This right. is a vegetable. A pea-sized, which first of all is tiny. Uh, before you brought that to my attention, long, long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, I was using like a whole strip. You know, it was more like a slug-sized amount. Right. But no, it was like pea-sized amount. Anyway, I switched over to this uh, sensitive toothpaste. My teeth were hurting. I didn't like it. Yeah, so I went like, through that phase. Yeah, as I got the sensitive toothpaste. Sensodyne? No, it's nothing that crazy. It's just a Crest or a Colgate or something, okay. but it's the sensitive version. Um, I did use Sensodyne for a while. Actually, I do like Sensodyne. Um, no, I just got the... I just got this one. But then, you know, like I always do, I read the back of it. Use a one-inch strip. How do we go from a pea-sized amount to a one-inch strip? So I have a theory on this. Because there used to be harsher chemicals in the toothpaste? Well, yeah, maybe more potent chemicals, I think, quite possibly. I think what happened is it's, it's, it's in essence, a form of inflation. We weren't using enough toothpaste? <laughs> well, I think maybe the toothpaste now is just more watered down. It's just more like whatever. It's more like inert material or something. And you need to use more. So now you, you, you buy the same tube of toothpaste for the same price... Toothpaste inflation. But theoretically, you have to use more. So it's actually, you're actually getting less. The price of toothpaste has, in essence, gone up without you realizing it. It's fucked up, man. That's my theory. Well, what's funny is the regular toothpastes, I don't think, have directions on them, like how much to use. It's just this special one for some reason right. had it. Well, people were using, you know, so all this toothpaste, way more than a pea-sized amount. And they're like, well, why do we want to clue people into the fact that they shouldn't use that much? 
See, I think that's more what it is. It's I don't money in the bank. I don't know that the recipe has changed. I think they just stopped saying pea-sized amount and just let people use as much as they want. Like the click deodorant. Remember those deodorants, like Speedster or whatever? It had the little click wheel on the bottom. Used two clicks. Click, click. I had the little holes, kind of like the nail polish remover, and the deodorant was like semi-liquid would come up out of the holes. Remember these? I don't know that I've ever used deodorant that functions that way. Yeah, it's like... um, I mean, I've used deodorant like speed stick where it has a knob you turn, but it doesn't click. No, this is... uh, It's like... It's cream. It's like a white cream. And the top, or it, w- it would be like a clear gel. So, like each time you went to apply, you'd go click, click, and then apply. Click, click, and it, it would come up out all these little holes. So that's how much of it. So yeah. So in essence, that click was forcing a certain amount of this deodorant gel up through all these little up holes. Up these little holes, and that's what you would apply. Right. Two clicks. It. So first two of all, clicks per armpit. Or per two, armpit. Per armpit. Per pit. So right, PP. That makes a little more sense. I'm happy. To click PP. But first of all, if you're going to say two clicks, why don't you just make it so that one click dispenses enough? There's number one. Number two, why not just say four clicks and then everybody goes through it faster and you'll sell more deodorant. And I used to use four clicks anyway. Sometimes I'd use as many as six clicks. I just wanted it to be on there and feel good. But Two clicks was like nothing. But number of clicks. You never went with five or seven. You know, I don't think I did. Come to think of it. You're That's interesting. You thinking about it in terms of yeah. uh, two-click units. Yeah, it had to be, had to be even clicks. Maybe I was just... Uh, terrified of prime numbers even though two is a prime number shit all this time well maybe that's why you tended to use four or six yeah and not two screw your two anyway a pea-sized amount so i remember that yeah pea-sized i discovered that one day i happened to actually read the tube of toothpaste I remember you telling me. And I was you, like, the first thing I did was like, I got to show Adam this. I didn't believe you. I'm like, okay, another one of your, like, you'd go to find the tube of toothpaste that said this. It's like, no, it was just here. I can't find it now. You know, okay. But, and I don't, you didn't even have it. You just told me that's what they said. I'm like, you're full of shit. And then I went home and I looked at my tooth and there it was. A pea-sized amount. I remember trying to spread the the insanity of this to other people, and nobody seemed to get how fucking insane that was. It's a pea-sized amount. This is your barometer. This is your standard. A pea. What is the most universal... Measurement we can think of. I know. I got it. A P. <laughs> well, I mean, it probably in that regard, I think it makes sense. It, but it's just so strange, right? That the fact that there is an instruction on how much to use, and they use this bizarre analogy. 
fine. A pea-sized amount. There are different kinds of peas, you know. Snap peas. Green peas. World peace. When there was no crawdads, we ate sand. You ate what? We ate sand. You ate sand? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Sound. I watched it. Negative. I listened to it while not watching the picture again. The dude is motivated to turn to find Uli, the nihilist, floating in the pool. What is he motivated by? Do you know? Did you notice this? There's some sort of sound, I'm going to guess. There's a splash. You hear push, like kersploosh. And the dude turns around. Ooh, are you sure he won't mind? And there's Uli floating in the raft in the pool passed out with a sealed mostly empty bottle of Jack Daniels floating in the water next to him. So what made the splash then? My only theory for this is that Uli woke up unscrewed the bottle of Jack took a big swig Screwed it back on just in time for him to pass out again, and his arm kind of came down with the bottom for him to pass out again. I mean, he could have just been down there, floating around, holding his bottle, kind of like half passed out, and he finally, at that is the moment where he finally just like gave in all the way. Splash. Splash. His hands kind of fell to his sides, into the water. Yeah, I mean, bottle the, the bottle is sealed. I guess that's, and that's probably a maneuver he's using. You just let the bottle float around. You just screw it on, screw the lid on, and the bottle can float around. And every once in a while, it's like a little surprise. Oh, look at this. Look at this. I got a little uh, bottle of Jack Daniels. Here, let me take a swig. Later on, I think there is a second splash. This yes. happens at. This happens at. Uh, hmm. This might be just past our minute. Fifteen fifty-four. There's another little splash. I think they're just putting the splashes in there to remind us the pool is there. Unless, like you said, maybe he's just like half in and half out of consciousness yeah. and is kind of flopping he's just his arm around. Flopping around. That could be. But good use of sound, because when they shot it, he's not flopping his arm around. You know, it seems like he's probably just floating there. Like, that's his shot. You're just floating there. Have your mouth open. It's amazing he's not more sunburned, but, yes. you know, they, that's something they did with sound design. The last thing I have, I don't know if you have anything else, but... We have one of the classic lines. You know, that's Uli. He doesn't care about anything. He's a nihilist. Right. And the dude turns around and says, oh, that must be exhausting. He is extremely pleased with himself when he says that. 
Yes. He's starting to open his mouth to like, ha, 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 and hope, you know, Bunny's going to join in on that nice little joke. He really is very pleased. Oh, and the Jack Bottle moves a lot between those two shots. Yeah, so does his hand. His, I didn't his, notice the hand. His right hand is like kind of out pretty far, and the one in the next shot, it's like really close in. Hmm. And you're right, and yeah, the Jack Bottle is way closer also. I see the right hand. Oh, plus, the, yeah, it's way out. It's like almost touching the side of the pool. Yeah, and then Jack bottles right there. That must be exhausting. He turns around and he's opening his mouth just to laugh at his own joke. He's like, you know, I just scored a solid hit. <laughs> exactly. That's going to be a home run. This is going to get me where I want to go. And we're treated to one more shot of the extremely uncomfortable, but not as uncomfortable as he's about to be, Brant. Yes. It's just, <laughs> his teeth are so yellow, his hair is so bad, he's so uncomfortable. It just, man, if I could be one-tenth the actor this guy is. Forget one tenth, one one hundredth. I know for real. It's, ugh. he's like so perfection. freaking young too. I know it. Now Jeff, Jeff Bridges looks older, but you know he wasn't a pup when this movie came out to begin with. So he's got some gray in his beard, and but yeah, P.S. Hoff is young. He and Stevie B, Steve Buscemi. Both very young. One uh, just quick musical note. The music yes. for this scene is Mucha Muchacha. Mucha Muchacha. By Esquivel. Esquivel. I used to listen to a lot of Esquivel, believe it or not. No, I remember that you used to do that. Yes. I love me some Esquivel. Yep. This is from the album Cabaret Manana. I could not have named that. I didn't really know the song names or the album names, but man, for a while and for a long time, I was trying to seek it out again. I couldn't remember. This is a long time ago. I remember what it was, but it's got a very. You think it's ubiquitous? This sound. Chinchuichacha. Do, 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 like bachelor pad like 60s retro bachelor pad music It's you'd think it's easy to find but there's really only a couple of people that did it really well it's Esquivel uh, Burt Bacharach did a little bit although not quite as out there maybe and um, another fella but yeah Esquivel. And it's motivated by the fact that she has that uh, early 90s Sony Sports boombox there. Yes. I was looking at that yellow box on the table, right? Yes. And the curious thing is she's not playing a tape. Now this is a boombox got a tape 
tape player in it. No CD player, obviously. She right. is, at least in theory, listening to the radio. Because I looked and none of the buttons are down to depress the... You know, you'd have to depress the button to press play for the tape. And in the close-up, you can actually see... There's no tape in there moving around. You would generally see the little spindles moving around. So she's listening to the radio, which means that in 1991, somewhere in Los Angeles, a radio station was playing Esquivel. Well, do you, so you're saying that this is actually diegetic sound? It's intended to be. I don't, I'm not so sure about that. There's um, there's some volume tricks they do. There is, they, okay, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, they when they pan over to Uli, it gets a little quieter. And also, I think when he... It doesn't start until right when he comes outside. I do believe it gets louder as he approaches. I think you're right. I believe you're correct. All right. Plus, there's a boombox on there. Yeah. And she's bouncing around to it when we first see her also in the wide shot she's like shoulders are juking heads bopping up and down she's bouncing around to it so it it is supposed to be diegetic sound but it's the radio she's not playing a tape well you know LA is a major metropolitan area where they probably have you could find whatever you want right? you can find all kinds of variety out there probably unlike it's probably AM and well, you know, the antenna. So nothing is depressed, but her the antenna on the radio is up. It's up, which in and of itself is not evidence that it's radio. You know, she could have no. been going back and forth. I got tired of this station. I'm gonna put my Esquivel tape in. Yeah, but none of the buttons are pressed. Right. The antenna is up. And you would think you'd be able to see that antenna in the wide shot, the first wide shot we see of her as we're approaching. But you don't. It's not a deal breaker to me, but it seems like you should be able to see it popping up over the recliner. But maybe not. Continuity. Yeah, it's a bitch. It's a real bitch. You would think it would be easy. It's hard. I have nothing else. I'm done. Do you have anything? Mucha, muchacha. Oh, I was just checking the antenna. I was about to say you might be able to see it, but I'm not sure. I have nothing else. I felt like I had to, like, smash through a lot of points there. I could have spent more time on them. I I made a judgment call to, like, hit all of them shallowly rather than a couple of them deeply. I don't know if that's the right choice. Hard to say. History will judge that. Yes. You can only, you know, you can't dwell on the past. You just got to move forward. Well, we may be done with the past, but the past is not done with us, is it? Wait a second. I'm waiting. It was like four and a half seconds. No. Never mind. You leave me hanging? There's nothing. I got really confused. Just in this one shot, I happened to be stopped on. I thought for sure Bunny had... The little toe separator on, but it was just a bizarre trick. Yeah, she didn't use... Why bring them out? And there's no little bag. She didn't have any, like, little bag to carry all these things out. 
You know, she just really just bunched them up in her arms, just like carry them. Just was it possible that she like painted her nails, was done, took the thing out, and then was like, "Oh, I need to do like a little touch up on my big toe." You don't do that. This is not how you do it. It's a one-shot deal. You'd have to take it off. You'd have to remove it. Otherwise, it's just uneven. Yeah, it gets all gloppy. And, in fact, I consulted some experts on this. She's applying too much nail polish to that toe. It would get gloopy. Because it's already green, and then you see her there, like, putting more on. Basically, you take one pass on each empty area. That's it. You don't keep touching it. It'll get all effed up. It'll have imperfections and be all humpy and lumpy. So, but they just, their whole thing is drawing attention to this toe. Right. It's emphasizing this plot point. Even the camera movement. And, you know, I have to say, just to revisit last minute for a second, you were right about the judder they are mimicking the dude walking a little bit. Like when they're in the big breezeway, the long hallway, and Brant's coming, and we cut to the dude's point of view. Right. And it's really, that is, they are definitely, I watched it again, they're definitely like moving the camera up and down to simulate his walk. And they're even doing a little bit of that here in the wide shot as we approach Bunny. It's very subtle, but just up and down a little bit. The dude is walking, you know, so it's up and down a little bit. But then the closer shot as we move into Bunny, we're going in on our toe, 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 toe. It's like we're just dollying right in on our toe until we tilt up to see the dude. There's a couple of fancy camera moves. There's that one. And then when the dude turns around when he hears the splash to look down at Uli, we pan over. We don't cut. We pan over and like, it's all Mm -hmm. like half a whip pan even. That's, you know, that's a difficult camera move. Half a what? Whip pan. Half a whip pan. All right. You know, whip pan. It's like Robin Hood. He's got the arrow. He's notching an arrow in his bow, and he releases the arrow, and the camera whip pans. It goes from left to right or right to left very fast. And then you see the arrow. A whip pan. This is not a whip pan, but it's maybe half a whip pan. It's tough moves, you know? They could eat just as easily have cut. Here's the dude, he turns, and now we cut, and now we see Uli. But for some reason, they decided it was important, maybe for, like, geography, like filmic geography. They thought it was important to have the camera move in a continuous shot to look down at him. There's a reason for it. Don't know what it is. Well, you're right. If they just cut to it, you wouldn't, you'd lose your sense of space completely. Yeah, I guess so. It's just, just geography, I guess. You'd be like, oh, are we in a whole different scene now? What happened? I, you know, but th- there's things you can do. You can shoot it so that, you know, you're shooting over the dude's shoulder or you're seeing the parapet, like the little right. um, railing, the little stone railing. You know, there's other things you can do, but they chose to pan. 
I, I just wonder why. What makes that the right choice? It's probably the clearest thing to do. Hmm. To follow the dudes. To, I don't know. For the audience, yeah. I think it all has to do with the sense of space and, you know, following the dude's perception. You, you don't lose that idea that you're experiencing things from his point of view. They do a lot of that, more than I ever noticed. There's a lot of, like, shots that are pretty much point-of-view shots of the dude, or from the dude's perspective. Reminds me of this movie we were forced... We didn't even have to watch all of it, just because it was so shitty. Even when it came out, it was one of these things where they took a chance. You know, they tried to push the boundaries. Um... And sometimes that works, and you're heralded as a genius, and other times you just look stupid. And this time it didn't work. And this was back, um, you know, film noir, like just maybe just post-film noir. So I want to say late 40s, maybe a black and white picture, but their big innovation that they were trying to... Push. This was in 1947, actually. Their big innovation. It's a movie called Lady in the Lake. Lady in the Lake. Yes. And what they did was, like, I've got it. We're going to shoot this entire movie in first-person point of view. I want to say you never actually see the protagonist... It is all, all of the movie is first person point of view. So you're interacting with people. They're looking directly into the lens and like talking directly to the audience as if they're the main character. And it's just, it didn't work. (laughs) Right. But you know, if it did work, it was an experiment. If it did work, the guy that made that would be like the Orson Welles today his name would be known that way right he tried it just didn't you had to think you you saw that when you're starting to cut it together it's like this is not working right well you could have done maybe a test right you could have maybe experimented by making a 10 minute long film and just screened like privately at the studio right been like oh this is stupid new york times said For after a few minutes of seeing a hand reaching toward a doorknob, or lighting a cigarette, or lifting a glass, or a door moving toward you as though it might come right out of the screen, the novelty begins to wear thin. (laughs) You know, maybe you use this effect judiciously, but you just, you don't just shoot the whole thing like this. Right. Kind of like why I don't like a scanner darkly, why that movie irritates me so much. That jackass had a perfect opportunity to use his, like, you know, painting on the, you know, that animation. Right. Filming real people. Yeah, it's rotoscoping, basically. And he had a perfect opportunity to, like, juxtapose the real and then the sort of psychosis, you know, the cracked psychosis. Here's reality, here's the drug-induced psychosis. To juxtapose actual 
film, like real looking film, and then this rotoscope business. And he just didn't do it. He's like, I'm too in love with this effect. I'm just going to shoot the whole movie. I think part of it, and I don't know that he ever, Linkletter ever copped for this being the reason, or maybe he did, is partly because he did not have like funding to make that movie. And so, more or less, it was just shot on like low quality video cameras. And I think the rotoscoping was to make up for the fact that it was not well lit or well shot, like, technically. Inland Empire was shot on low-quality video cameras. True, and it looked really shitty. Awesome movie. Is it? I think so. I've only seen it once. I'm not able to revisit it just yet. I'll have to see it again. So, we mentioned Lady in the Lake. Yeah. Which is an adaptation of a Raymond Chandler novel... The Lady in the Lake. Yeah, The Lady in the Lake, right. right. But again, we have Raymond Chandler. Rearing his ugly head. Comes back to him. He only wrote the book three years before the movie came out. It's a pretty quick turnaround. Raymond Chandler was born in 1888. That's just a long time ago. That is. They didn't really have automobiles. Whew. All right, I think we're ready to put a bow on this one. Put a bow on it. Send it up to the poop deck. Poop deck. <laughs> right. So I, I did tease. We're going to have a special feature next week, though, before we fully poop this. Um, we'll have a guest appearance by the proprietor of the Little Lebowski shop. So we can look I forward to that. Can't wait. And feel free to keep sending in your questions and comments, listener. They're much appreciated. We may not get to them for six months. I mean, there's a backlog of comments, but we'll try our best to get to them. You can always comment by visiting gutterballs.tv. Indeed. There's a contact form, as well as you could always leave a comment on iTunes. Yes. Hit us up at Twitter, at GutterCast. Now, don't be confused. We are not at GutterBalls on Twitter. We're at GutterCast, are we not? That is correct. At GutterCast. So, it's a little tricky. It's very tricky. tricky. It's unfortunately far too complicated for pretty much anyone to grasp. Yes. But GutterBalls is just a common word that was already taken. Yes, it's no Carl Hungus. Yeah. You made what? What did you make? I made the best. Well, I made, I wouldn't say the best, but I tried to do something with a bad situation. There's probably a better solution, but it eluded me. At Gutterballs Podcast. Then you're already using like half of the 140 characters you get on Twitter. It's no good. That would not have been okay. I think Guttercast works well. Deepcast? Did you check Deepcast? not descriptive enough though I like guttercast I think guttercast works there is a deep cast yeah and his tweets are protected yeah fuck it dude let's go to the poop deck next time on gutterballs I'm just gonna go find a cash machine